0: Okay. anyways <laughs> I was I was touching base on whatever.
1: Yeah, I was
0: listening. I was what? I was oh. I was I was reading about uh repurchase uh, what's it called? Repos.
1: Repurchase
0: yeah, repurchase uh agreements.
1: Mm, what did yeah. you find interesting about it?
0: Oh well, I didn't even know that's how businesses operate. Like <laughs> Instead of going and getting like a business loan, right? Like say yeah. uh say like your business has bought like say a truck, like a brand new truck, like those scaniers. Okay. I don't know how always use scaniers, but like a brand new scania, right? Uh yeah. I bought it say for like uh a hundred thousand dollars, right? And now yeah. want you want but you want money to pay say like someone or like say or like, like employees, like yeah, like your your employees, right? So yeah, get you. you just go you go to the bank and obviously you're going to sell it like half the price or like like say 70,000 if you bought it like 100,000 you're going to tell them that man I'm selling it to you at, at 70,000
1: hmm? yeah
0: mm. but I'll come back and buy it like at the end of the month
1: Yeah, you repossess- or like at
0: the end of, or at the end of the week yeah, yeah? So it's yeah. of course the bank <laughs> has like no problem yeah which ties down to obviously what we're going to talk about today the financial
1: exactly. crisis the financial crisis ezra you mentioned something interesting about the repo business i mean i'm going to kind of deviate but you know the repo business was was really commonly known with the mobsters actually
0: of course
1: of course, they had their own repo you know organization scheme you, got, and,
0: you know like well uh uh you know, like when when they they offer you protection. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> You're like, man, I didn't ask for protection. Well, you know, anything can happen in these parts of town, you know. We have to protect you. and the guy is like, I don't want. He goes and breaks your window.
1: <laughs> and <Exactly>. he's like, <laughs> you are written, I need
0: that protection. Why <laughs> you <laughs> protection? And then he even lends you then you finally go to him for money.
1: Man. exactly yeah supply and my brother supply and demand
0: these guys are just creating so, their own demand and even their own supply man that's yeah. right
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah bro that's how the that's how the world worked at that situation in terms of you know the mobster organization and how they were able to you know make sure that people complied with their rules and regulations but interestingly bro you know, uh, being a Ugandan, we never really had this whole aspect about the financial bubble. Like, yes, the financial bubble did happen and it happened in the U.S., but not many people do in for example especially in the east african community many people have such a huge if i may say a huge clue about what happened in the financial bubble or the housing market bubble depending on you know what you call it because this is what we're going to be talking about basically the housing oh, bubble.
0: think about like a country like east africa say uganda at that time yeah are, the country is predominantly getting most of its money from say aid right oh yeah true that's true these kinds of things right it's not necessarily trying to it's not necessarily tying its financial assets to the united states you know you're not finding like Mm. so many you're not finding like so many of uh you're not finding like the uh, the country going and buying say Mm. like treasury bonds or like debt (laughs) instruments from the united states uh tying some of the assets in the stock in the stock market all those things right You're not going to find find most institutions doing that. The only institutions that maybe that felt like that burden are maybe like, say, the parent companies to, like, say, the banks here.
1: The banks did... You know, actually, uh, you mentioned something interesting is that, you know, for the situation of the East African community, there wasn't so much close tie towards, you know, the housing, the housing market during that time so the catalyst effect if i may say or the domino effect didn't really affect didn't not i was say effect didn't really affect us so much in terms of when you know there was the O oh, eight crisis, there wasn't so much of a huge effect towards that. But I mean, it did affect. It, it did have a effect towards us because I remember that time very well. It was two thousand. Okay, because yeah, it happened in yeah,
0: 2000. I mean, what are you doing in two thousand ten? You're just watching the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, you, I, um, no, you, felt it, you felt it. Okay. Two thousand ten. You never felt anything. Two thousand nine. What were you doing, man? What were you doing? Don't tell me that you you're reading yeah. the market, man. <laughs>
1: 2009. I was watching *Teritabu*. joking. but anyway, you could sense that feeling that there was something wrong.
0: You could sense that feeling, man. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that, man. Yeah, that age I was, I was ten. Yeah, I was ten. I was ten. I was nine. None of, none of those. I felt nothing. I man, me, my mind was in other things, man. If wasn't video games, I was in, wasn't video games. I was in probably like, comics. at That point, yeah. Okay. Comics, okay, uh, Comics and video games.
1: Comics and video
0: okay, guys. <laughs> You want to tell me that? <laughs> I know you're on TV. Yeah, tons of TV. Yeah, but I mean, like,
1: how actually, you, you know, you mentioned something is that all we're talking about here is the whole situation with the housing bubble. Because uh, this is really where we're focusing on and, you know, the situation was quite enormous because it even went so far as to go into iceland right, they was surprised this thing even went so far as destabilizing the economy of iceland
0: but you but think about what's it called uh these nordic countries nordic scandinavian countries right think yeah. about how uh, a country like sweden became rich is it Swe- sweden or no one of these two has like oil it's called the Norwegian Oil Fund. The way they, they the way some of them got rich, is that they use those natural resources. Now the money that they got from those natural resources, they would invest them in overseas assets. You get?
1: Yeah, like sovereign, sovereign wealth funds.
0: Eh? Exactly. So now, when they're investing in say, like, now where, where are they going to invest that money? You think they're going to invest it back in their country, man? The country is struggling. They're going to obviously go and invest it in say, like, country like the United States, which already has a well-developed market right
1: makes, sense. makes makes much
0: sense also it, it brings yeah. back returns obviously they they reinvest obviously in their country what 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 yeah. and what but yeah now they have like this money is also tied to other countries say like for example the United states and obviously obviously i'm pretty sure they'll continue doing the same thing in yeah. like 2008 blah 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 so you can see what happened to greece even
1: now, you know, you mentioned uh, something about, obviously, Greece, but Greece's situation obviously happened after, you know, quite some years after the the 08 crisis. But it's kind but, of
0: linked. they said.
1: Yeah, they said. but it was more of like, obviously, the the repercussions coming from that situation because Greece's dilemma was quite unique. It had a lot with, in terms of the debts, the public debt, then obviously high unemployment you know rates skyrocketing that obviously also had you know a repercussion towards the economy but Greece's situation obviously also had an effect there was a cause and effect coming from the 08 crisis. Now what's so interesting about this oh, yeah. um you know this crisis really started from the housing market because you know it started really from the aspect of the real estate market that started in in the US and what makes it so you know what makes it so interesting is the fact that it was a bubble first of all is that you know asset prices you know appeared to be you know really wildly exaggerated if you know lack of a better word the housing market was super caught at that moment everyone wanted to enter into the housing market i mean you could get into a house let me say a bungalow you buy it for hundred thousand dollars. The next day or the next month, it you can flip it, it becomes maybe five hundred thousand dollars. So the consistency in value for the housing market at that period during the bubble was just going high. So obviously, this categorised it as you know as a financial bubble because you know the um, it was based obviously on you know uh, inflation in terms of asset prices. You know the asset prices that were within the housing market were basically inflated and you know obviously this is you know like they say a bubble exactly like the expression edward say the longer it continues you know the bigger the effect and you know once it crashed in 08 you know had massive re- repercussion so yeah that's really like the brief aspect about the housing market and edward you have some. Was
0: to touch upon that. No, saying, yeah, it's actually very interesting that this thing jumped from a few billion dollars all the way to mm. it became like it, it was worth 60 trillion, like at its height. 60, 60 wow, trillion 60 dollars. Trillion. Wow, that is Appa- a apparently, apparently, 60 trillion dollars. Yeah. One person would want to, would like, probably ask and would like to know is that how exactly did it? reach to this like to this pinnacle like how did it go all the way how did it reach this far
1: this is you know an interesting question you know where it began because many economic advisors many scholars have debated it where it has really done where it really began and you know when you search on the internet or investopedia wikipedia whatever um outlet that you search from will obviously tell you that it really began when, it really began when interest rates were cut down. Basically, interest rates were curbed, were lowered by the Federal Reserve. And this was obviously coming from the standpoint after, you know, 9-11, the dot-com bubble, series of corporate accounting scandals. I know Ezra is very vast in this, in a situation. This is like, you know, the- <laughs> Enron, you know, a lot of these corporate scandals that happen, And, you know, the government was trying as much as to revitalize the economy. So obviously, you know, any economics, no, any economist knows this, that when you're trying to to bring recovery towards the economy, you're going to try to lower interest rates. You're going to try to lose lo- lending standards. And obviously this is really what I would say brought to flame the housing price bubble when the federal reserve lowered interest rate it is said that in may of 2000 obviously this is when the uh, the the bubble uh, the dot com bubble you know happening the yeah. federal reserve, um, the federal reserve interest rate was at 6.5 percent then uh two years uh june 2003 it lowered to one so you could see that the Fed was trying as much as to you know lower interest rates to obviously bring um, recovery of the economy after you know obviously these previous situations that I had previously stated. So yeah. that's uh, that's what we would call as the the, the what's it the facts the facts on ground, that's what we call as the facts on ground based on the internet, the different internet outlets. So really that's what caused the housing bubble is that it came as um, as a way to actually revitalize the economy, but in trying to revitalize the economy through lowering interest rates, um, losing in terms of easing up the lending standards that were practiced previous years. Obviously, this obviously stimulated the housing uh, price bubble. But so, uh, if someone you know,
0: has uh, to, if someone has uh, to say that, well, that doesn't—you couldn't necessarily blame all of this on on what on interest rates, because there's so many factors that come into play, right? It doesn't okay. mean—I mean, there's still yeah. low interest rates today, but how comes there no weird? weird uh, occurrences like that that happened yeah where people are going even before even before the housing even before the housing crisis none of this Mm -hmm. had happened Mm before so -hmm. so obviously uh, if someone was to ask yeah someone was to ask and say Mm -hmm. greed what is that greed you're not talking about the institutions you're not talking about the insurance companies you're not talking about the government you know playing a role inside also this as well but the government is saying... Yeah, that now...
1: Government. Yeah? Now, I wanted and to give...
0: Also, the investment banks. You're know, you not, you're not talking about all these plans. What about them?
1: Yeah. Now, obviously, I wanted to give, obviously, you a textbook aspect of really what started this. But this thing had obviously been coming. The housing market, obviously, someone would obviously come and say, but the housing market didn't just start uh, booming, obviously, from that time. The housing market had, you know, been going for, it had been going forward you know for a long time that's why even you know uh many investors were skeptical about Michael Michael Barry's uh, thesis on on you know attacking the housing market and saying that it's invalid in terms of in terms of its status but the housing market had constantly been going on this upward trajectory so there were very many factors that obviously you know stimulated the uh, the I would say the growth of you know the the housing market. It wasn't only interest rates, but obviously different government policies. So one of the policies that the, that many people may may you know understand is when the um, was it Greenspan you know had started letting had started easing the regulations on financial derivatives because obviously the financial derivatives made it very much to speculate within the housing market. You know, that was one of the first yeah. things, you know, policies. Then obviously, you know, when government decided to lose the, uh, in terms of ease, not lose, but ease the standards within the lending, lending practices, obviously this created uh, situations like, you know, um, like subprime lending where banks would basically you know, take out uh, predatory practices upon uh, individuals. And so different factors play upon. So when I obviously talk about the interest rate, this is like the textbook that really where you'd say that this is how it really began. The textbook's um, understanding of it. But it had different factors that came upon it, you know, different bureaucrats who were obviously being lobbied by the banks to, ease the tension in terms of derivatives uh, create situations that would basically make speculation within the market very lucrative for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's really, we'd we'll say, where the, the 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 whole situation you know came from. But obviously, when the Federal Reserve tried as much as to lower interest rates and try to revitalise the economy those were now good good intentions that were obviously taken advantage of
0: was so, they build out yeah, it seems like they only build out like mainly uh the biggest players
1: yeah they had to build out the banks and you know we're, we're going to touch into that but you know they they build out they build out AIG they build out uh yeah AIG was one of the biggest build out then they bailed out the big banks, but through, like, for example, uh, Best Stands was bailed out by the government and J.P. Morgan. Then Merrill Lynch was voted out by Bank of America, but obviously that was funds that was given to them by, you know, the, the U.S. government. Uh, and everyone will know the Treasury at that time was, you know, Paulson, so. <laughs>
0: obviously. the guy from uh, Morgan Stanley, is it Morgan or is it?
1: Uh, Goldman Sachs,
0: Goldman Sachs, always those guys. I don't know what's wrong with them, but always them. When they're done yeah. with banks, man, they're going to power.
1: They're going to power. They feed into the, the the power aspect. But obviously now, we've given you like a background of really where this thing started. But now anyone who has watched the big shots, I know Ezra watched the big shot. Any person who you know watched the big shot really knows that this thing started with a bond trader named Louis Ranieri. I hope I've got his name right. It's called Louis Ranieri. You know, and basically Ranieri uh, popularized the whole concept of securitization. I hope I'm saying it right. Securitization. Basically, this whole concept involved pulling uh, cash flow from similar investments and then bundling them up into one single bond. So the whole situation of where the speculation came into play that was, you know, you know, came from the whole concept of securitization, where, you know, obviously our guy, this bond trader, Louis Ranieri from Goldman Sachs. Like I say, Goldman Sachs, you know,
0: (laughs) 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 yeah,
1: Goldman Sachs. He came from Goldman Sachs, you know, Also. also. Yeah, he was one of the guys at goldman it's like Sucks.
0: goldman Sachs, just produces like the best the best <laughs> the most creative and also a tad bit a tad bit you know of people yeah. of bankers in like the world accountants these financiers <laughs> like they always come from that farm
1: they always. come from that most of them most, most of them most of the big players, if you realize from that financial crisis, came usually had links to Goldman Sachs. There was there was even a there was even a like a debate when the House was criticizing them, were saying that you know Goldman Sachs was so much involved in this whole situation. You know there was a huge yeah. you know situation where the House, in terms of the senators, wanted to find out about why Goldman Sachs has been raised up in all this kind of situation. But obviously, you know, Louis Ranieri obviously popularized this whole situation. And obviously when it, he popularized it, you know, Wall Street just became, I'd say, like too, like greedy. they just basically become, they became too greedy. And obviously they- But if you think just... about
0: it, if you think about it, a mortgage is like a, it's like a bond. You keep getting interest, Mm. Except the only difference is the only difference is when you get your interest, and then if a, if a person fails to pay, you just sell the house. So, either way, you still get you still have your money, you still get back your money. I mean, yeah, like a, uh, that's a very good yeah. business, man. You see,
1: uh, so basically, you are touching on the aspect about the mortgage being, uh, sort of like a bond i mean the whole idea of yes if you're paying a premium in terms of interest rate then yeah it could look at that aspect of it having in the similarity of a bond okay so yes. same
0: it's like it started from investment banks because if you think about it they are ones who now started buying uh what's it called buying uh all these buying buying those they bought all the mortgages like they'd buy all those things and they would just sell them to to they would sell that like the, the asset. Like I don't know how to explain it, but they would sell that to the investors, sort of like in the, way. Like the security, uh, they would sell it the security it. to the to the investors.
1: So actually, you just mentioned something uh, that's interesting is that yeah the investment banks did act as the medium man. so you remember about you know lowering interest rates and all that aspect and you know the government easing the lending rate obviously yeah. what happened is that you know traditional banks there's obviously a limit to how much they can give out you know, no bank wants to be paying out more than it has the capacity that it should be having so this is where obviously investment banks come into play. Is that you know I don't go into the history of investment banks. I'm sure that the, that people can obviously find about them. But they act as that third party intervention that help you know uh, create um, a mediation between the two parties. So in this case, obviously when you know, the, uh, what I would say the home buyers wanted to get loans. What would happen is that they would go to the traditional bank and, you know, the traditional bank, given the climate that was happening here where there were low interest, they would obviously give them, you know, these, these these loans. So what they would do is they would get these loans, then they would package them and give them, no, they would get these loans actually, then they would give them to the investment banks. Now, the investment banks would package them and add a lot of financial trickery. You know, they'll categorize them into different layers, tranches and all these situations. And then obviously give it give it to the investor. And now that's where the situation where Ranieri comes up with that situation of it acting now like a bond. That's why that whole situation of the mortgage, uh, mortgage-backed security. So you're having a thread that's moving from the person wanting to get a mortgage, give it, getting it, and now the the traditional bank gets that loan, gives it to the investment banker. Then, obviously, the investment banker now securitizes it and gives it towards the the um, the, the investor. Exactly. So that's where the whole situation is. And if anyone is wanting to ask where really where all these Toxic assets came from was really the whole concept of the mortgage-backed security because that's where the real situation started coming from.
0: But the government even but the government was also trying to boost what's it called to boost uh, this mortgage lending. You know they bought yeah. up certain companies like Fannie Mae. They're called is it called Fannie Mae?
1: Yeah,
0: Fannie Mae, yeah, they, yeah, Fannie, they, Mae. They, they, Fannie yeah. Mae, and you know, interestingly,
1: people. Yeah, Freddie Mac was what they would call uh, um, uh, uh, companies that deal in debt obligation where they would, you know, they act as, they're not exactly a bank, but they mostly focus on debt obligation, where they would get debt from other individuals or institutions and then obviously, you know, uh, sell that debt. So, uh, you know, the whole situation, like I said, came from the mortgage-backed securities and. Yeah, like you say, the government was, you know, easing the economy, trying to boost the economy. That was their main aim by lowering interest rates and trying as much as to ease the temperature, if I may say, within lending. And obviously this made the situation as much, it made it very easy for people to access homes. Many people would be able to access homes. But now what I'm trying to say is where the real Situation came from where well, the speculation, that yeah, Wall Street was speculating. But it because, was you know, idea, but whole, think
0: about it, if you think about it, this also also came in when also what's it called? This guy is called. These insurance companies came in, and then they created credit default swaps.
1: Now the credit default swaps were insurance. You see what yeah. happened is this: eh? is that obviously you want to make sure that, and this is for the aspect of the investment banks. They wanted to make sure that what they were getting because remember debt um has to be paid back now when you get because with this whole securitization of of debt you are not getting individual debts like one person's debt. no they are getting like a whole state a whole state of people who had debt now yeah. the issue would come in if they were going to default on that On that debt so you need insurance insurance on that whole aspect of that debt so where the insurance company comes in too was that they came to kind of make sure to mitigate that risk of of in case they defaulted um they would come and give them these obviously these credit default swaps to make sure that they could have that uh backup plan when you know the the debts defaulted they could be because you know anyone understands the whole concept with an insurance company is that you know they basically insure you for you know a bad situation so that's basically where the whole idea of the credit default swaps come from they are just yeah. insurance poly but you know now someone
0: could what i'm saying is that they would also sell these credit default swabs to say the speculators that you're talking about yeah, so no. like a whole second so you're saying that you have first of all you have these, you have investment banks right yeah. investment banks and now they're making money of course most of the now I'm pretty sure at this point most of the people that they are obviously getting they're giving the mortgages to are people who are who can afford to actually pay back what who, who can afford to pay back that money right most at the beginning most of those at the
1: beginning started like most, that but then
0: yeah then now you have these guys who are now seeing money all these guys are making money without us and then they come in credit default swaps come in yeah
1: now yeah now now they're uh, also
0: making money
1: yeah you see how they made money was this is that the banks made money based on how much mortgage backed securities they would be able to sell towards the investors and the insurance companies made money based on how many premiums they could collect from those people wanting to insure their debt so yeah. that's basically the whole yeah that's where the greed was centered on the investment bankers
0: were. Like, the way i'm seeing it it's like this yeah. greed this greed came as a result because now they're seeing like they're already making money right they're already making a lot of money everyone in that game is making money so they're like mad exactly. we can make more money we can make more money by now giving let's now just let's just extend the mortgage let's extend these mortgages now to like more people the people even exactly. who you know can't pay back you're like let's just yeah. just let's just give them let's just give them we can't and get back right. the house <laughs> you know
1: it's, uh, uh-huh, it's right. and actually <laughs> you made it in that way is that obviously the greed ex- was exponential yeah. in that they go in and give it to anyone and that's where so now the they, said giving,
0: they said giving they said giving this they said giving a guy that's what, you remember like how the, this woman had like i have two houses she's like i have two it's houses nice. i have this mushroom you have this mansion they like man really <laughs> so now obviously not at that point now you have all these lenders that give you mortgages to even like what are these guys called these guys who who give bad loans like they really give you like terrible loans so like if you're uh, going to pay back. Like sharks, you know, it like these loan sharks.
1: sharks. Yeah, loan sharks.
0: Yeah, like those loan sharks. loan sharks.
1: That's so, like, now it's a, a game. Thing.
0: So, it's the same yeah. thing. Now, like, obviously, now everything just becomes man. It becomes terrible. So, obviously, that now created like a whole cycle. But then, obviously, now it reaches a point where these guys are like, but now people are failing to pay back. You know? Those credit <laughs> defaults. Those credit default swaps, now it starts to become a problem there. Because <laughs> <laughs> now, now more and more people are not paying back.
1: Exactly. And that's where you see, eh? you know, one of the things also people you may wonder, how is it that this thing kept going about? Because, you know, most of these things usually are regulated and we've already established that the government was definitely having a soft hand towards, as the British governor had said during the time of the housing market, approaching it with a soft touch. So, obviously, government was having a soft, a soft touch towards this. And then another interesting player that was here was the rating companies.
0: Yeah. Oh, Especially yeah. And, they were, and those rating companies were being backed by investment banks. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so now, now, interestingly, see this. Huh? An investor buys an, an MBS. This is a mortgage-backed security. They buy, let's say, an MBS and they're saying, okay, we want to invest. Because remember, this MBS pay interest, they pay a premium. So now the credit ratings, credit rating companies say that, okay, we're going to give it a triple A. Now, you know, a triple A is like one of those really good stuff bets. Because also one of the things you may ask is, how did an insurance start investing and ensuring such policies? It's because of the credit rating companies. They were able to to obviously give these toxic assets safe ratings and say, because by law insurance companies, and obviously they've, they've, they've been much, there's been a stricter hand on them after the financial crisis, but by law, they are supposed to invest in safe havens in terms of the asset base. They're not supposed to invest in risky because remember, um, Uh, insurance companies, you know, deal a lot with, with, with insuring out policies, so they can't be dealing in a lot of risky assets. The same thing with pension funds, because many people may know this, but during the housing crisis, was it California State Teachers Pension Fund was one of the badly hit pension funds after that situation. You may ask yourself, also the same situation, how did that happen? And so still the same thing. The credit rating companies were able to slap triple A rating on them or B plus rating, whatever the kind of scale that they were able to, they were able to rate them as safe asset classes. So this kept on perpetuating within Wall Street, you know. Uh, I've just seen something here where they're seeing a, a bank offering, uh, house mortgages made even run up to 10 million worth of, such mortgages. So you know those are the the housing market was you know at that point was really a lucrative situation because too, of the amount of of, too big to of, fail. of yeah it was too big to fail. You know I, it, actually the there was even a movie called too big to fail. I think it was called too big to fail. And me set it down. It's too big to yeah. fail but you have to think well this guy has moved billions that Chuck Norris guy yeah Do you remember a guy yeah he was also in that move.
0: so I was still I was saying yeah if you think about it yeah it's like everyone had a hand in this but now obviously yeah, but now obviously the government had to figure out who's of course they're not going to take the blame they're going to say man for us we, we obviously backed this without really doing any due process yeah yeah so we're obviously going to blame the next big thing the banks as usual (laughs) i mean of course
1: (laughs) you know one thing i need to mention is this is that whenever there's a crisis and after the crisis people always have to gravitate and they have to find someone to blame you know there always has to be finger pointing obviously the banks got the biggest blame and i'll tell you why the banks got the biggest blame because the banks were making the most money out of it just simple as that i mean if it was the case where uh it was the uh, government making the most money let's say the government governmental bureaucrats making the most money then yeah they would be finger blaming i mean i'm just telling
0: think you of it. they wouldn't they still wouldn't okay.
1: No, you see, the public would know that it was the government. Because it just makes sense, eh? Wall Street was making tons of money off these products that they were selling. There were there was even rumors that, you know, uh what this guy of what's it, Bear Stan, the CEO of Bear Stan mm. was 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 had his own elevator, you know, within the offices. Like he had his own elevator or something like that. I had some room about that where he had his own elevator. <laughs> <laughs> because if he had uh-huh. his own elevator, no one would enter except him or something like that. But these guys were making a lot of money. You look at uh, Fold, the guy of Lehman Brothers. These yeah. guys were, we, I think he was one of the highest paid CEOs at that time. These guys uh-huh. were making a lot of money. Everyone knew once you went to Wall Street at that point, you were going to get definitely uh above three hundred thousand dollars or you know, uh you know, five hundred thousand. Obviously, the figures have gone down, you know, because now the
0: figures have gone big. down. Really, have they gone yeah. down? When I mean they've gone down, what I
1: want to clarify when they mean they've gone down is uh, not that they have gone down, but given the fact that they are Lucrative business, which was the MBS, have now been, you know, abolished. They're not going to be making us that same amount of money as they were during the 10th. So yeah, that's the whole situation that happened with the with the with the housing market, the MBS, you know, and all these different derivatives that they had come through with were just now fueling the flame that the housing market was just right on. I know what's so interesting about this is that Mm. when people... You see, one thing I've realized about people, about human beings, they don't mind the road when it's time, when it's in terms of pleasure. And no one was complaining when they were getting those big bonuses.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No one was complaining
1: when one was just enjoying the musical chair situation. But then... When homeowners started defaulting, which was super obvious because they were selling them subprime loans, which were obviously, I mean, if you look at the whole logistics within the subprime loan, I mean, they were giving people with poor credit scores. These people were definitely at one point going to start defaulting. And they started going for the biggest people who had the biggest wallets because they're always going to be the biggest and easiest (laughs) targets. Yeah. So yeah so everyone you know and this one thing i've realized about human beings that when everything is okay when the musical chair situation is just wonderful and everyone is sharing a bit of the pie because you can't tell me when these homeowners who are you know buying these homes they know about the situation yes there were predatory aspects about it but yeah. there were even homeowners who are buying the houses renting them out doing all these so, you know, it goes back to the whole question of who was to blame, you know, I think that's a very important thing because many people have wondered, who is mm. it to blame? They all point to the investment bankers. Some say, oh, government policies and all this. I just basically think the people who were to blame was the whole society at that moment.
0: Yeah, of course, everyone, everyone, has to blame. everyone was to
1: blame. Because
0: first, first of all, you have the government that's supposed to protect you from these things. But they're also among yeah. the guys singing in the background, clapping their hands. Yeah, again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. They are backing up all these all these guys. Yeah, yeah. encouraging the public, encouraging investors. Go and invest in these things. What? 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 Yeah. Then yeah. you have, then you have obviously the investment banks that decided. Man, let's just go a little too crazy, man. Let's just go enough, man. You can make more money. Of course, that's the business thing to make more money. Yeah, they're and, yeah? Mm. Yeah, in the business. No, and
1: yeah,
0: then you're right. And then you have then you have obviously insurance companies that decided that man, we're also missing out on this big money. Let's also put us. Let's figure out something. They come <laughs> swaps. Yeah. And then you have the people. As usual, the people. The people are the ones also partially feel this. When you know you can't afford something, please don't get money that you don't have to buy things that you don't need. Why would you need a mansion, man, if you can't afford it?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, that's the whole situation that, 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 that came up with it is that one thing, like I always said, is that, you know, when the party is going, you know, everyone wants to be a part of the party. You know, everyone wants to enjoy the same Kool-Aid, or drink the same champagne, but when the police come and interrupt, everyone is scattering. You know, is that I don't know if it's a saying or a quote, but is it when the when when the cat's away, the mice play? Okay. So that was the same situation. Is that this situation was that the mice kept on playing until until the cat came, and the cat being the bursting of the financial bubble. So. You know, it's interesting because if anyone has watched the Big Bang, sorry, I was going to say Big Bang Theory, but that's not the show. Big shot. If anyone has watched Big Shot or, uh, you know, partly Billions or uh, Too Big to Fail, by the way, yeah, that's a movie, by the way. Uh, you know that there were guys who definitely profited from this. Like, facts, <laughs> there were guys Ooh. who actually profited from people's drunkenness Always, and it's like Warren Buffett said: when when people are greedy, be fearful; when people are fearful, be greedy. So the guys who definitely got involved in this in this speculation, but obviously one not lost, they were not on the receiving end of of Congress slapping them with 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 restrictions. And our guy definitely has to be there. Warren Buffett was like one of the guys who profited from this thing. <laughs>
0: You Because,
1: know, uh. like, there's something here where he purchased $5 billion in preferred share that Goldman Sachs during mm. the time, not ed- exact time, but during that time, and, you know, it paid him uh, 10% interest on that, and then obviously that given the, and then obviously the warrants that he had bought, that mm. obviously including the warrants that he had bought, mm so warren buffett was definitely a, a massive gain
0: so like warrants massive... to do what? warrants to do it
1: like warrants these are like future contracts so to, like, to buy right? more okay yeah so uh he made because he remember i told you he purchased five billion dollars worth of yeah. shares with income and then you know they paid him a 10 percent interest rate also including the warrants that which we then obviously purchased Goldman Sachs and for my uninformed warrants they have that fixed amount so it tries to mitigate that fluctuating price movement within the share price
0: yeah. so obviously yeah. he
1: made a massive gain like anyone yes. who knows the Goldman Sachs situation they know that Goldman Sachs was one of the banks that came out bold enough for that financial then there was Michael Barry now Michael Barry was like he was the guy, he was the guy who was famously known for the shirt, for the big shirt, you know. Guy was, he basically shirted the, the whole fine the whole housing market. You know, uh, his hedge fund, which was Silicon, Silicon Asset Management, you know, made around $700 million in profit. This was for the investors and he made personally $100 million. So the guy did make quite good you know he actually what he betted he betted against was the subprime mortgages then we also have our guy this guy is interesting because i don't know if you know this guy but he's called colson
0: not many people do know that those are the best guys
1: yeah those are like the smartest guys Mm -hmm. but he did make a ton of money for his farm which is Paulson and co but they actually they made an estimate of 2.5 billion during the crisis Now, if I'm not wrong, that could have been actually the biggest gain for for during the financial crisis. I remember remember listening to a video where they talk about his company, that 2.5 was the biggest gain during that time. But yeah, they made a lot of money, you know, he was obviously betting. And he actually, what he's famously known for is that he used a lot of credit default swaps. Mm. To kind of edge his bet because he made, because actually, if you break down the, the profits he made, he first betted against all this housing firm, I'm forgetting it. Oh, yeah, it was called Century. Century. But now it's obviously been delisted. I don't think it's anymore there. But he, mm. he basically shorted the stock. So he shorted uh, uh, Century, which was like dealing in that Uh, debt obligation it was almost like a funny kind of uh, company so he shorted that stock and he made some money from that, then obviously from the credit default swaps he also made a ton of money from that Mm -hmm. Yeah. so I made good money from that then there has to be Carl Icon Carl Icon made enormous gains, you know, actually interestingly, check this out Carl Icon sold his properties in two thousand and seven. Okay, he did sell it before that crash, but he sold it for approximately one point three billion. But it was actually before this. But you know, we're just looking at the guys who did make a profit within you know that whole period.
0: Can you imagine this guy? Okay, it was for. Didn't he? He got. he, he bought back one of the properties, man. At such a yeah. price, man. Ah, a 4%. <laughs> yeah.
1: Core Icon is known as a corporate trader. Bro.
0: You get that guy. Yeah, that guy You yeah, get that guy is heartless, man. When it comes, like, he's ruthless. Not heartless, sorry. He's ruthless when it comes to yeah. anything to do with these things. See what you did to TWA.
1: Yeah. TWA is actually a perfect example of what Call Icon... Call Icon is Call Icon, but Call Icon usually does in terms of... Of of what of you know getting companies, getting them at cheap prices, or basically purchasing them and then breaking them apart and then obviously selling them at exorbitant prices. And you know, that whole aspect of arbitrage. So Icon is the master of that. There's a reason why they call him. You know, there's a reason why he's in the category. Actually, not they call him, but there is a reason why he's in the category of corporate traders.
0: That guy. Hey. Him and, and Paul Singer, oh, those two guys, I fear, man. Yeah. If You ever start a company? Those two, and yeah, that this guy is the CEO, man. But at least you know if you, if he, if you invest with him, at least you know, yeah. man, your money is going in the right hands. Lawyers, American lawyers, man. Eh.
1: He gives, he gives, gives, uh, uh, gives um, above-average returns. So yeah, he's quite good at what he does. I mean. Mm. These games we are mentioning just go it just goes to show that within crises there's always opportunity. I was I was reading an article where they're talking about the Rothschild, you know, the Rothschild family. I know anyone yeah. who like looks in those kind of also conspiracies, because they're also tied into a lot of conspiracies. But it said that Nathaniel Rothschild during, I think the was see the time when France and yeah, the time of the Napoleonic Wars. Mm say that because you know when napoleon was like seriously gained a lot of massive advantage yeah uh i think what he, he he purchased i don't know was he did he purchase uh gold okay i'm not quite sure on the story but he purchased things at a lower price then obviously he later on got information that the english had defeated france then obviously <laughs> because he was the majority holder of them he sold them at you know huge prices so yeah yeah. (laughs) there's always a moment where like you know if you're very you you know in terms of crises they always uh, open up opportunity Mm -hmm. it's like serious massive opportunity if people have been like seriously okay uh, my 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 people not my people i don't say my people because it sounds like kind of cringy (laughs) (laughs) and i know if i listen be like and what are you saying, my people? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: uh, people who are who are in my vicinity, in, in Tinder. Mm. If you notice, uh Taskis was like almost the mm. big, like not that a big supermarket, but it was one of like those supermarkets. For anyone who knows the situation, and many Kenyans know about this, that you know, <laughs>
0: the is ending up like Uchumi, man. Uchumi and yeah, Tuskies, exactly. man. I don't know what's wrong with there's yeah. some. Uh, and also Nakumat. Have you realized there's something wrong with Kenyan supermarkets? I mean, they, Roma, they, that's, they that's reach, funny. they reach a certain point, <laughs> like you're almost mm. thinking that man, these guys are about to like really take off, and then they just hit this mark, and then something happens. Either the owners is mean, been misusing the funds, or they can't pay, <laughs> can't pay back to that. They can't pay back to their whatever, their lenders. They can't pay back their lenders, and then yeah. everything just falls. You
1: to know. Shit, man. You know, I agree with you on something. And even this one of the things I was talking to my father. It's like a lot of Kenyan supermarkets, the people who, you know, the owners, because we had Nakumat, we had Uchumi, we had uh, Tasuki, all of them, like, you can't even find them. I don't think you can find them. Maybe, you know, someone could disagree, but I've not seen any of them, like, seriously functioning. Because even Uchumi,
0: the thing is, they don't function here anymore. Not like Uchumi, Uchumi, um, they're told to close down, but they have to keep just a few running so they can pay back their lenders.
1: And yeah. know that's the same thing with task, cases, that task is to that Taskis got into that. I think where the situation comes, this is that yeah. a lot of these companies, companies, so I was going to say companies, but these companies engage in a lot of debt financing. Now, uh, I think I sent you that article where they were talking about, I think, uh, was it 2.6 trillion? Uh, kenyan shillings worth was, was it 2.6 i'm not quite sure on the amount but there was a lot of corporate debt that was incurred on many of these companies balance sheet and actually when you finish reading the article it says that most of these companies are risky are at risk of defaulting on their payments and defaulting on their uh you know and they won't even be able to make up their interest payments so just goes to show you yeah. that i think one of the biggest problems for me i think with the Kenyan supermarket chain thing is that they engage in too much debt financing i don't know maybe that's my own personal opinion but they engage in too much debt financing i think there's also that aspect of misusing of money because even i i heard yeah. about the this thing where the family was like over there was a lot of conflicting conflict of interest, people trying as much as to, you know, you know, you know, have those shady deals. So I think that's also one of the biggest catalysts there. But anyway...
0: But you find like, you find that, you find that okay, like in Kenya, for example, that's why I was telling you, that Nakumat guy for... Is it Nakumat? It's either Nakumat or the Ochumi guy. Guy was... He had so many luxurious things, like he was really living, large man. And yet (laughs) he's... And yet his business is there struggling on the side, man.
1: Yeah, that's that's you know, that's the unfortunate situation is that sometimes people incur this debt, but you're not quite sure where that debt is going to go to. Because someone can say, Okay, we're going to trade. Because the truth of the of the matter is that there are a lot of investors in in in, in the East African community. I mean local investors who are willing to invest. I mean yeah. even you as and told you that I'm giving, I'm going to issue out debt and you'll get like uh, maybe 3.5% interest, you know, or premium from that. I mean, you would definitely want to invest in that. You want to invest in that corporate paper. But the situation is that we there's, there's a whole debate of is the money really going where it's supposed to go? Or even is the money really effectively working? Because in the case of Uchumi and Taskis because I did, I did some few research on that, is that Tuskis whole business model was thriving on on, on, on trying to get as, acquire as much uh, chains, but the the, the the supermarket chain is what I mean. But the supermarket chain were not profitable. So you have a lot of assets, but they are not profitable. You know, they're not really making you a lot of money. And obviously, you now know that in terms of paying back your debt, you're not going to be able to pay because, you, you know, you're assuming that when I get all these assets, they'll be able to pay, you know, interest payments and later on the principal. But they're not even able to pay, you know, those interest payments. So that's where I think the situation can, came into for Taske. I don't know about mm. Uchumi and, and Nakuma. It's the same thing.
0: It's the same thing with all of them. It's the same thing because yeah. it has happened with Uchumi. And after Chumi, Nakumat. After Nakumat, now I'm hearing Tuskis. Tuskis, because I was in Kenya and you can see mm-hmm. that Tuskies is open. It's like, it's growing. I didn't know that they had finally like hit rock bottom. I think it was this pandemic <laughs> that real, that real caused it, man, to even like, now real stumble.
1: You know, interesting is this, is that, you know, when the financial bubble burst, there mm-hmm. were a lot. Because if you remember that made of story is that so many companies, when there's like that bubble, everyone kind of t- turns a blind eye or no one really questions the authenticity about these companies, or they try to even look at what are these companies really performing as they, sh- as they say they should. and. Why I mentioned uh, Barney Madoff is anyone who knows about Barney Madoff knows that it was <laughs> after the financial crisis when people said realizing the skeletons that were in his clothing. And my mm. God, did the brother have skeletons. You know, they say that his fraud, because I think he got like around $7.2 billion worth of fraud. Say it's still one of the biggest. I'm not sure on the amount, so don't quote me, but it said that Bernie Madoff's uh fraud fraudulent behaviors and all that kind of scandal was one of the biggest fraud in the u.s i don't know if it has been hit i don't know if that i don't think so
0: i don't think so most of the ponzi schemes you see around happening man and all those fraudulent things most of them don't really reach near a billion okay some reach a billion dollars but like most of them nowadays just like multi-million dollar schemes I'm not saying that they're any better but
1: <laughs> yeah dollar. I get what you but actually I got the precise amount it said that the Ponzi scheme was worth 64.8 billion dollars bruh ah, that's fantastic. how much that's how much you finance yes. and that's the entry about bubbles is that once the bubble bursts the skeletons start coming out Everyone now starts realizing so much about these, you know, these companies that are are said to be financially healthy, because the truth of the matter is, even the funny may all these companies they were immense, they were okay, they were emanced in so much debt. At one point, they were going to obviously have to pay, you know, even the situation with AIG. AIG had so much debt. Actually, AIG was bailed out by the government. They had so much debt that if they did not bail out AIG, that the financial market could have gone into a depression. That's why people say, but you know, now that's now that's for you to go and find out and see that. Hey man, this is too bad. anyway. Yeah. That was the whole situation is that these insurance and these all these companies that you know during these times of, of pleasure and happiness, it seems so ripe and so pleasing. Or is it artistically pleasing? I'm trying to broaden my vocabulary. So that's why I'm trying to I'm juggling with, with these funny words, man. By the way, guys, man, I'm not so good with my vocabulary, so <laughs> <laughs>
0: That right. yeah. that was, uh, yeah. that. so i hope you guys uh, enjoyed today's episode yeah um, this is ezra
1: yeah and this is your boy hardy boy you know so keeping it real
0: okay alvin we'll <laughs> see you in the next one we'll see you in the okay. next one